A brand new documentary examines the world's reaction to the outbreak of the coronavirus and who got more powerful and who got more wealthy while lives were destroyed and civil liberties were stomped all over. And you know what that means? Naturally, the movie has already been censored by big tech. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. Germany reports another record number. Record high number. Another record. New record. Hitting a record. Record numbers of new COVID infections. They go up faster, of course, if people don't follow the rules. A very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Oh my God, oh my God, something needs to be done. We are under threat here. And so we turn towards the few that we think are there to protect us, not understanding that it's actually them who have created the problem. It's those doing the wrong thing driving our record case numbers. Das macht mich Angst. Und was kann ich dagegen tun? Es gibt immer Menschen, die sich dem Teufel verschreiben wegen eines Vorteils in den Märchen. Und am Schluss geht es nicht gut aus. Das, was passiert ist, ist, dass eine Überwachungsinfrastruktur aufgebaut wird. Und gleichzeitig gehen wir auf diese autoritäre Regierungsform wie in China über. Was brauche ich hier, um in Rennen zu kommen? QR-Code für den Impfnachweis. Sie müssen zweimal geimpft sein. Die Zeitdämpfung muss zwei Wochen zurückliegen und ein Ausweis und eine medizinische Maske. Und ohne geht gar nicht. Nein. You don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train besides vaccinated people and put them at risk. We made a deal with the devil in exchange for a benefit. To what extent the benefit remains a benefit. Now, listen, this new coronavirus, I think it's an open secret. It was made in a lab, all right. If they started making these mRNA and putting them into clinical trials, that many people would die. God help the world. God help the world. This is a story of how strong people can turn unconsciously into weak creatures. Unless we're waking up soon. What you just saw here is the trailer for the brand new documentary by independent European filmmaker Marian Pools. And really, Marian's just asking questions and taking a bit of a retrospective on what happened to the world over the last two years with the coronavirus pandemic. Now, Marian comes from the left, but he's got an open mind and he's willing to see both sides of the issue. He wants to hear from everybody and he's not trying to change your mind about issues. He just wants to show you information and opinions you may not have seen yet. And he's doing this with his brand new movie, Pandemned, about the coronavirus and the world's reaction to it. But he's also done this previously on issues of free speech in his movie Paradogma, I'm in it. He's also done this in other movies, Return to Eden, and the uncertainty has settled. 
So joining me tonight from his home in Germany in an interview we recorded yesterday morning is Marian Pools. So joining me now from Germany is good friend of this show, Marian Pools. He's a independent European filmmaker and he's got a new uh documentary i guess out but before we get a little bit into why you chose to make the new documentary and what it's about and what you sort of discovered along the way why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah um well to make a long story very short i i started 2008 and uh, making films around the world international development um, a lot of third world countries my teams were poverty, human rights, uh, but also free speech, actually. And then after a while, I I did a sabbatical and I started to make really independent films, which I financed by myself. And I started with climate. I thought, you know, I can travel to Africa to cover the problems, but we do have some issues as well in Europe and in the Western world. And let's look at these um, challenges. So I did. And um, as you know, as we are living in a very crazy time where um, asking questions is, uh, you know, you're a suspect when you're asking questions outside the narrative. So I bumped into a completely different uh, network of people, uh, uh, network of audience. And, um, you know, I came from the left liberal and um, where I'm used, used to ask liberal questions as much as possible. And then in a sudden, you know, I got the feedback you're not you're not allowed to ask these questions well i was allowed to ask these questions but you're a suspect because you're more asking the you know the right of the conservative questions which i thought this this is crazy actually and uh you know i start continuing to do so uh but you know my budget was running out and then a whole new world developed in front of my eyes and people started to donate and uh, I felt very strengthened by it. And I thought, wow, this is not the, the, the minority anymore asking these questions. Uh, and nowadays, you know, it's my I think this is my fifth film I'm, I'm uh, produced <clears throat> uh, with this principle paid and donated by people who ask these questions and you know the only thing i'm doing is translating these questions people have into you know the format of documentary and um and today uh, i you know i i have I, I made a film about i mean i'm a critical documentary maker so uh, we're lived through two crazy years in terms of corona fighting the virus and a lot of people are talking about it, uh, but there are a lot less uh, stories I hear from um, the stories I really want to hear as a liberal as well. And that these are just the alternative um, directions we could choose. You know, there is no choose. There's nothing to choose for us. And that I thought was a suspect for me. And I started to, you know, try to make a story about it and ask these uh, questions. Um, and, you know, at the end, it became a pretty hard and inconvenient look back at the past two years and um, where I asked the questions whether we act correctly. Uh, and I'm starting as a just, you know, as a normal person, not as a, a, a denier or whatever. Um, 
And I, th- and I think we must ask ourselves that question, as we always do after an event, right? Uh, a sort of an evaluation. And when you do look back uh, the past two years, you notice that so many things were um, basically were planned before the pandemic, which highly coincidental helped the pharmaceutical companies, world governments, and you know the globalists to push through their agendas under the name of saving the world population uh, from a virus. And, you know, these big organizations I was fighting against when I, I did, the, did the work in Africa, right? And now I'm meeting them here in the Western world, trying to, you know, get a grip of uh, on, on people and on, on system and on the capital. And um, I think this film is not made that I'm discovering new facts or whatever. It's, I think it was important for me to just make, an evaluation of the past two years so that we are not forgetting this time where we've been through and that people recognize the patterns um, those in power can use to control us. Um, and I think this is important because a lot of people are, you know, sort of feeling numb and are happy that we are in a, in a sort of break I think this is a it is a break, but a lot of people I think it's over now. There's you know the virus is gone, and I think you should see it as you know we're in the eye of the storm, and yeah. in the eye of the storm it's you know there is no wind, the sun can shine, and everything seems to be okay, but no one really got in on on uh, in their head that the storm will will pass over once again, um, and there are a lot of signs for it that you know we will have a new a variant of a, a virus um so i think it, this this story is is important for people to recognize the patterns and you know give them a choice um and some tools to um how we should act as as humans within a democracy and that we at the end decide what to do with the virus or not yeah, you know, so much of your other work has focused on, I, I think, at Rebel News, our journalistic mission is to tell the other side of the story. And I think that's how you approach things by asking questions. And so many of the questions you ask, you're not allowed to anymore. I think that's really the problem with discourse. You can't ask, okay, how about. How do these climate change policies, these things designed to fight climate change, how do they affect our food supply? How does Internet censorship affect the public discourse and how we treat each other and and civility in society? How do wind turbines um, affect the landscape when we're told that they are going to save us all from evil fossil fuels? And now your new movie pandemic it you know it focuses on the the things that we're not even allowed to talk about on the internet many of the things that just you're just posing questions but if you pose those questions in a youtube live stream you might get canceled you might lose your channel you might lose your twitter account and mm-hmm. in you know if you're conspiracy minded as sometimes i can be it makes you wonder you know, it, for a lot of people, it's confirmation that you're right. When you're not allowed to ask questions, when you're not allowed to hear the other side of the story, uh, your mind automatically goes to, this is a cover-up. 
Yeah, we're living in crazy times. I, I witnessed it as well because I, I had the trailer of the film and I did an upload on YouTube and I think it was within within three hours it was gone and YouTube, you know, deleted it. And uh, it shocked me because YouTube didn't ever delete my my work. Uh, and now with this trailer, even with the trailer, I, I, I barely ask critical questions i you can rather call it stupid question or naive question simple questions what what do you say i don't understand you you know and youtube deleted it so um i was quite shocked to um to um yeah witness it and you know it is at the end when you when you see in what kind of political landscape we're living in that governments you know sort of changed its role from um, providing common facilities to the role of prescribing and forcing citizens in, in detail how they should live and all in the name of preventing crises, you know, yeah. but um, then they need to shut down all the different voices who go against the narrative. But, you know, because do they prevent crises or do they prevent self-empowered citizens? You know, and th this is the problem we're facing today on YouTube, on these these main platforms. And, um, you know, on the other side, you can, uh, I try to look at, uh, you know, as a, as a sort of a Mr. Bean <laughs> approach, yeah. like, you know, YouTube, okay, it's like a bakery selling bread and they don't sell a certain bread anymore, you know? And that's, hey, it's a business model. So you're allowed to, but don't call yourself a free platform, right? So I'm go to another bakery. And in this case, it was Rumble who are providing uh, that platforms for me. So I put it on platform. So, you know, it's, I'm not shouting that I'm a victim of censorship, but I do see patterns of it. Yeah. Um, and I think it doesn't make sense at all because people will always find their ways to communicate and especially in this time, in this era we are in. So um, basically we're living in a very free um, system. We, we are in certain sense, you know, we are suppressed, but we can choose, we can go to rumble, we can go to other platforms. And this is the system when you squeeze the system in one direction, things will pop out and find their own way, you know, to develop organically and governments cannot control it. They don't understand it. And, um, uh, you know, so, so I'm, I'm not so worried, although I do have some concerns, you know, where we are stranding as, you know, free people, because that's the, that's the thing. That's what citizens or the, the governments wants, um, want to do. Right. So yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy time, and uh, for us artists or journalists, we some yeah you need to have some some sense of bravery to continuing because financially you're not that you know fat, um, so it it should be it should come from the heart really from 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 out of the soul from out within, and I think when we continuing this battle as i can call it that like this um i think there always will be a way a new way uh but it's it's a very uncertain crazy time yeah you know 
for me, that was one of the takeaways from your new movie, Pandemned, was that despite how the government sort of cracks down and forces you to live a certain way, much like your description of social media platforms and internet control, freedom always tends to find a way. It is the human will to be free and to not be suppressed. And, you know, it's interesting because you get before we started recording, you said, I'm in the former East Germany where you had to register your typewriter, by the way, with the government. And it feels like there's so much of that being replicated now in the digital era. But in the end, I think freedom always wins. It is. It, it will always win. Absolutely. Um, it has, it, it always have consequences, right? When you're fighting for something, it, you know, it's always hurting because you're leaving the comfort zone, but, you know, leaving the comfort zone means that you're starting to be very, very um, innovative and uh, creative. And, uh, you know, we are part of nature and governments don't understand it, you know, and, and in nature, everything pops up in a different form. When you cut the weed there, you know, some, some other crops will grow again. When you look at how a forest is, is um, developing itself, you know, when we're, you know, destroying a couple of trees, some other trees will grow again. So it, it doesn't make sense. And, and humans are nature as well. And, and that's what governments try to do when we're, you know, heading to that one world system. Then, you know, you should cut the lines between nature and humanity and call them like, you know, transhumanists or whatever, yeah. and try to digitalize them to make them sort of numb and don't see nature anymore because that it makes us really dumb as well. Not only numb, but also dumb because <clears throat> I thought about it, like, you know, walking in a forest, um, imagine how many sentences you, you, um, you open, you know, you need all your sentences, like um, feeling, smelling, um, everything. And at the office in the digital world, you only need two of them. That's um, watching and hearing, right? But you don't feel it anymore. And that makes us humans and that makes us a part of the system. And governments want to sort of dehumanize humanity and so digitalizing and we digitalize ourselves as well in a rapid speed and everything should become digital and and why because all digital things are connected to wires so it's controllable from a distance and the more digital you are the more controllable you are you know and that's what what governments love and and we barely understand uh, but we do feel something missing in our being right where is our soul? What is a soul? What, what is culture? Uh, you know, and, and these things were missing, but we don't, we don't see it. We can, you know, we know that there is something wrong, but no one can actually point a finger on it. And, you know, in pandemic, I, I tried to, you know, hold people, uh, um, hold people back from, from, going into the digital world, which is not in the first sense, not, not bad, but you should understand what, what the powers can do when you are digital. And it is a reminder as well that we are humans, right? With a, with a heart, a soul, an individual character, and we should not um, let ourselves, of let, let, let that spiritual soul be crumbled into this digital era 
Um, and I think we can do a mix uh, of all of that. Um, but we should be very careful where we go as humanity, because, you know, there are a lot of signs that humanity is on the brink of extinction. Yeah. And that sounds very, very dramatic and very hard, but I think it's really, when you look at it a little bit spiritual, I think this is what's going on. And, um, uh, and humanity is too great to, you know, to throw that in a bin. You know, as I watched Pandemned, I thought, you know, what a great sort of bookend to some of your other work, particularly on climate change, like the uncertainty has settled and returned to Eden because it, the progression is this one crisis, climate change, that they've used to control your life, how big your house is, how far you can drive, the kind of energy that comes into your house. You know, as soon as COVID came along, there was this new thing that they could use mm -hmm. to control your movement, your relationships with people. And, you know, that's, it, I don't know what it was like in Europe, but in Canada, they were controlling who could come into our homes, that canceling Christmas, saying yeah. you cannot mix households. And so there was, you know, controlling your interactions with people. It was this new crisis that the mm -hmm. people, the control freaks of the world, the one world government, if you will, I know I sound conspiratorial, but pretty well, you know, everybody started acting in unison to control all your interactions with people. And like you say, instantly move things digital before they tried to move things digital because of climate change, you know, work from home, cut out greenhouse gas emissions. But then they even made our Christmases digital using the mm -hmm. threat and the fear of COVID. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same pattern, whether you talk about climate change, whether you yeah. talk about Corona, when you talk about Russia, it's, it's, you know, you can, you can get a sheet and put these, these crises yeah. on a layer onto each other. And they're exactly the same. It's the same method is by creating fear and, you know, by coincidence, those who create the fear are the saviors as well. Right. And a lot of people in fear don't know what to do. And, um, you know, they're, they're just following. And, and that's the danger that people are being sort of apathetic creatures who are just following like the herd, like, like a farmer, you know, directing his cows. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's easier to direct the herd than, than direct an individual. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it is a coincidence or not, but it is um, when you, um, when we had Corona and the Corona was, was gone once in a sudden it, it was like a sport game. Like, you know, we went from Corona pop to Russia, you yeah. know, and then Corona was gone and Russia was, you know, the crisis and it's the same patterns we're following again and again, and again, and it was with the climate, uh, climate stuff again, uh, the same, like, you know, when Corona came, climate change was, you know, not an issue. And, but slowly rules are, you know, being introduced and we're accepting them and we're using them. We're using nowadays to, the rules of climate change. And, you know, in the past, of, in the future, we, we start to use the Corona rules. And when we continuing, then, you know, it's quite the end game is that you as a private person are not allowed to grow your own tomatoes in your own garden because you're using too much water 
And that's not good for the climate. And the tomatoes could, could hold viruses, which is not good for humanity. <laughs> so you should not do it, you know? And that's how, that's the end game, right? And if we want to, to be at the end game, you know, please. But I, I, I don't think that people understand or, you know, see the future as you roll down the politics to the, to the future. And, and that's, that's where I, I'm warning people for, from, or maybe not warning. I, I don't want to convince anyone, but I just want to give them the option to think about it, right? And um, I think it's very important that people are start to think by themselves and, you know, don't, don't be trapped in fear because fear somehow, you know, stop, stop thinking as well. Yeah. And for me, when I look at, you know, some of these issues or maybe all of these issues, they really are solved by just simple self-reliance. You know, when, um, you know, when the government is telling you to do things their way because they're the savior, for me, the option is, no, it's fine. I'll save myself. I can grow my own food. Um, I can think for myself. I can do my own research. Um, I I don't need the government's permission to talk to my friends and family and stay connected to them that way. But a lot of people see, as you say, the government as their savior in all of this. I don't know what it is about society these days. Maybe they don't want to put in the work. Maybe they aren't confident in their skills as human beings. But I'm like you. I think people are resilient and strong. And I wish people would just lean into that again. Yeah, there's no reason to have fear. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. There's there's not a reason whatsoever. I can imagine one reason to to be in fear. So, um, and I think people should understand the the real power within within people themselves. I mean, their immune systems is uh, you know it's it's the most genius invention of of nature. And uh, you know all the all the doctors are saying this. And you know, um, and. Uh, but people, you know, people in fear are just numb. They are, you know, they cannot act. And so the thing is that we should spread love again on humanity to get rid of the fear and to, you know, start over that, you know, the, 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 the hippie time, right? That, where we were <laughs> free and where we thought, you know, we are humans, we are people, we are breaking through the, the boundaries of power um and don't let ourselves clip into this um system we're in right now because you know it's it's so funny to when i saw the corona um uh, when the start the pandemic started i was worrying about you know the participation of people in in our democracy because we were having a virus right and we were try to to get a grip on the IC bats because yeah. you know the pressure on it. So I thought, okay, that's that's fair enough. Um, but then you know the bats were reduced in hospitals. Yeah. And I was in shock. And I was and and I, I couldn't read it in the newspaper. And I was in shock and I was shouting all, all the you know. And then people were, oh, but you know, that has that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with you know the financing. But you know, I said, hey. Like Al Gore is saying, the water, the water level is rising and we Dutch people are breaking down the dikes. Yeah. And everybody will say, oh, yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. So, you know, it's, it's just, 
it's the agony of the masses that were in in this kind of situation where you know there is a there is something very big coming at us and everybody is seeing it but everybody could say yeah but it's different you know yeah. <laughs> you know and, it, and uh, sorry to interrupt you but there's a lot of this that just people are not talking to their friends and neighbors anymore as you say people have taken this digital in canada they banned us at times from interacting with our friends and yeah. neighbors and yeah. that is the thing that keeps you normal and grounded and sharing opinions and sharing different viewpoints and different ways of looking at things that prompt you to look at things different ways we don't have that anymore or at least the the powers from above they don't want us to have that baseline for normal that they used that we used to have so when they tell us uh yeah you know we do, sure we close the ICU beds and maybe it looks like we're manufacturing a crisis but it's a cost cutting measure because we're the benevolent government and we're just trying to save you money yeah it's 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 crazy that you know a platform as rebel and in you know in germany you have an, uh, a couple of platforms as well were being banned by official meetings and so yeah. on um And you know we can we can deal with it in, in two ways. We can we can be the victim, right? Yep. We can play the victim, or we can say, "Well, this is going to be this is going to be a fun time where we are trying anyhow, anyway, with people from the ground who are our existence because they allow us to operate, and we're gonna we're gonna create the world." The people want to create, and I think that the second option is is my option, and I guess your option as well. Yeah. That we will not stop, you know. And and we find, like like what I said, we were pulled out of our comfort zones in times, you know, when we were doing normal jobs in the mainstream or so, and we're now in not in our comfort zone anymore. So we are getting very creative. Uh, we are getting very. Uh, innovative and we will find ways and i think this is um not a frightening time it's a it's a very exciting time to to be part of uh because there are big system shifts going on and it's really depending on how we as humans are dealing with it or not and um what you say humans are very strong and it's so you know people are also like um how do you call it like a sportman who sported too much then your muscles are too how do you call it in english Fatigued. yeah 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 right and people don't want to hear it anymore and say oh yeah just do what you want to do and yeah. you know then i can go to holiday or something so in the film i, I say it a couple of times and then you're making a pact with the devil uh, you know in um in exchange for a benefit but yeah. you don't realize you know in what extent the benefit stays and remains a benefit um because the rules won't change uh, even though you're vaccinated or whatever and and that we don't talk talk about these important things with even with the own family anymore yeah. you know that that's really uh, a stupid stupid thing actually that we're um we're avoiding conversation we're avoiding democracy and basically what we're saying north korea is fine <laughs> that's what we say with it right because you know i don't have any i'm too tired to talk about this stuff no we should talk about this stuff until we found a direction and a common direction um 
but people don't don't do it anymore i'm you know the critics i'm i'm getting is i'm talking to a couple of um experts in the film um medical experts were you know doing a sort of prognosis of what the vaccinations are doing the mrna and you know it scared me to to listen to them and you know i know a lot of people were being vaccinated and you know so for me it was i felt the same right i i thought hey it's my responsibility maybe to cut that scene out because it might be too hard for them and then something in my said no i i need to keep it in because you know i'm not claiming you know i don't deliver truth but i'm searching for right and in this form i let people participate in the thinking process and and they sort of forced to activate their own thoughts about the whole so then i'm giving a lot of ingredients and the people should find um you know be become more active and and that was the reason i said no I'm, i i let it in because imagine when you know they are for 50% right what they're saying and i cut that out then you know i i need to say in a couple of years i knew but i i left it out because you know i thought it was too hard to hear so <clears throat> it's not nice because you know i have a lot of family um within that narrative and, but i invited them as well to the premiere you know and and um but i know the feeling and real love can hurt sometimes sometimes but and you need to hurt people in the name of love and not hurting like um, violence or something but you sometimes you need to be in a very incon inconvenient situation to you know to say something which is probably a little bit hard but you do it out of, of in the name of love and yeah and and then you and then once of a sudden i produced um pandemic just with that principle actually you know it's uh it's unkind to keep the people you love in some sort of sweet gentle lie yes um, that is you know sometimes they they need to hear the truth and best to hear it from someone who has their best interests in heart uh, yeah. i wanted to, we, uh, sorry go ahead and we 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 do need it need to hear it as well right we need to receive critics as much as possible as well you know we're we're not we're not holy we are not truth right we're all searching the truth but in order to 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 reach a certain truth you need to cooperate with different perspectives that's that's you know that's what we're trying to do and like in a in a film you know it's the it's not bad to believe in a lie you know it's not bad for governments to lie when everybody is believing the lie you know you can build great things but the problem is that we don't believe in the lie anymore yeah so it's crumbling down right and then government should should act to find another lie where we can find our you know our, our common sense or direction or whatever because truth is far away from everything you know who's having the truth nobody knows so we're all living in a lie but that's okay when everybody believes in it but as as long as nobody is believing it anymore governments should change and they should understand that um you know the time of this narrative is gone and we're changing and humanity is changing you you can feel it worldwide this is, is a sort of how do you call it morphogenetic fields yeah. you know morphogenetic energy 
it's, it's, it's flowing around the planet and you can feel it everywhere. There, there are demonstrations in Japan, in Canada, in Germany, and in, you know, in, in the villages of, of the Netherlands. So there is something going on, right? And, uh, you know, for me, it's a very exciting uh, thing to, to witness, actually. Yeah, it's, it's fun to be a part of it instead of denying that it's happening, like so many people in the mainstream media are. I wanted to ask you, I have two questions left for you. And I don't really think I asked you any questions. So it's more of a, just a conversation, which I think is great. Um, but what was the, I guess, the most shocking thing you learned during the process of making Pandemic? Oh, wow. Yeah. These are always the good and the hard questions for me, because I think the whole narrative that people are slipping in a sort of matrix and don't see it. That's, yeah. that's very scary for me. Um, and how to break it down. Um, because it's, 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 it's so hard. And I was very shocked about what a lot of uh, medical experts were saying about the vaccine. Um, that we're all still in an experiment. Um, and, you know, even where animals are dying because of the vaccine, you know, they are injecting the world population. I think it was so hard for me to hear. And I couldn't understand. I couldn't believe that, that, that we're in a phase three clinical trial right now at the moment and even though there are so many great great doctors uh experts saying stop doing this stop doing this and they are you know being being shifted aside as as you know crazy people and i think this is really yeah well that shocked me because i, I was trying to find other narratives that, that you know would kill the critics as well, because I thought, no, governments are not that bad. You know, there should be a reason behind it, why they're doing it. It shouldn't be that bad, but it's really bad. And, uh, you know, that, that shocked me as most in the film, uh, a part of the, the fact that people are being, you know, sort of <clears throat> numb and yeah. apathetic and not reacting anymore and just walking row on row to the injection center and let themselves being, you know, jabbed three, four times all for, you know, that, that small benefit they're, they're receiving. They, they want to go to Paris. They want to go to Italy. And, you know, in order to fly, you need to have a jab. And uh, yeah, they said, Oh, you know, it's just, it's just a needle. Are you afraid of a needle? I said, Oh, you know, and I don't, it's not in me to in a conversation to convince the other I can, I can tell them, you know, be careful what you're doing with your body because you're, you're, you're the master of your body. You should decide whether you want to have that virus or not. The governments don't. And they don't do it. They think you know, on Italy, on, on the beach, and they yeah. just, you know, get the jab and they see yeah, it have path. that benefit for, for a couple of minutes. Yeah, they see it as the path of least resistance. It's easy. You just go there, get a needle, and all of a sudden you can go on vacation and there's no long-term uh, thinking there. It's, I guess, part of the problem with Western culture, that immediate gratification. But I, like you, uh, over the last two years, 
my faith in the medical establishment has been shaken, that there is just this complete conformity of doctors who, even when presented with evidence saying, okay, for this age group, there's no real benefit to them getting a vaccine. Why are we making that necessary for them? Or this refusal to acknowledge that there are even side effects whatsoever or adverse reactions whatsoever. You see Mm -hmm. doctors speaking out and they're being silenced, they're being threatened. And it makes you wonder about everything else you've learned about medicine over the last course of your life. Yeah. And I don't know what, what, why I didn't take that vaccine or why I was skeptic about it because I'm, you know, as I told you, I traveled the world a couple of times and, um, I made over 50, uh, 50 documentaries in different countries all over the place. So I, I've been vaccinated all my life sure. and I've got everything in me, what I need to travel. Um, except when Corona came, I stopped and I said, no, this is not good. And I don't know what's in me, um, what, what was the resistance, but it was just, I think it was just something told us all of us, this is wrong. And everybody could feel it, that there was something, you know, spooky about it. Uh, but on the other side, I can, I can understand people who are, you know, I mean, they're working 24 seven, you know, and when you're not working, you cannot pay the, pay the rent. So people don't have much time to go on the internet and do their own search. So, you know, they're sort of clammed on the, on the mainstream narrative. Because that's the most uh, doable, uh, you know, we, we might call it easy or, or, you know, lazy, but I think it is also to have to do with, you know, people don't have time to yeah. do their own research. And then it's very easy to, to read in a newspaper, oh, rebel news are deniers, so don't listen to them because they are scary and they can kill you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's why you should listen to us. You know, then you ha- you don't have time to check yeah. this. So, you know, you don't have the energy because you have kids, you have, you know, everything to do. And so I understand it, but somehow, somehow it's lazy because, you know, democracy, yeah, I say it, I say this often, but a democracy is not a present, you know, it's nothing, it's not something you get for free. You need to, participate in a democracy right and therefore you need to have a bit of time left and and when you don't do it you know please go to north korea and you see what's yeah what's going on there you know you said that it's apparently fine it's what's happening there because that's yeah. where we're heading to when you know we're in a sleeping matrix kind of um style where we when we go through, when we, you know, when we're wait a bit longer than we are right where North Korea is today. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to tell me I'm Canadian. Six million uh-huh. of 36 million Canadians cannot get on an airplane or a train because of their medical status. Uh, uh-huh. We're the world's second largest country by landmass. You need a plane to get around. And yet, uh-huh. and for non-scientific reasons, But because this is a group of people who would not do what the government told them to do, now they're being punished, cut off from their friends and family. Yeah, and I think when we are, 
you know, we're holding our breath and we're, we're just refusing the unhuman, the inhuman policies. Yeah. There is a time that governments are bringing the solutions. Okay. There are apparently, you know, one third of the population were not agreeing. So we need to come up with, you know, they cannot throw us from the earth. Right. That's what we think. Huh? Uh, mm -hmm. There is a, a vaccine mandate. No way. It's not happening. You know, there are so many people who are against it and will stay against it. And when we keep on, you know, keep on these principles, they should come up with it. <laughs> so, um, you know, and if not, they're not. But we should believe in this narrative that there is that there is a way out um, and that we should not, you know, get crumbled by this system, uh, yeah. which is coming at us as a you know, as a, as a mad, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have the words. It's hard to describe the speed and the management coming at us right now. But, um, you know, I also love to think on when you're on a, on a storm, on a sea, on a boat, you know, it can be very scary, but the only thing you should Keep in mind that the storm will end somehow, someday, you know, and then the water is flat and you can do whatever you want to do. So in this stormy period, you should stay on the boat and try to lose as less as much, less as possible people you love because you can throw them from board by not talking to them or something like that. You, know, you should come through this storm together and, you know, one day the storm will lie down and uh, there will be an opening. I'm, I'm very convinced of it. We should. Now, uh, my last question is how do people find your work, but more importantly, how do people support your work? Because you are completely independent. You are, you know, subject to big tech censorship. You're finding ways around it as life and freedom tends to do, but how do people, support you because you're on your own in all of this yeah i'm a one-man band that's, that's <laughs> pretty much the thing yeah um well first of all i think uh, by supporting me you're you, you should first watch my films um whether you're left liberal or a uh, right wing or whatever you are you, you should watch my film they're for free they're on rumble uh, you can find them through marinepools.com or pandemt.org um, and once you think, okay, this is inspiring. I like the work or I like the way of telling, uh, there are on the subtitles, on the credits, you find my, uh, support page, which is moranpools.com as well. And you, you, you could donate me, uh, you could, you know, be a monthly supporter or just a, a one time. And when you don't like the films, you know, don't don't pay me yeah, and that's as simple as it is and i i believe in 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 the power of the people who are being inspired by my films they are donating me and you know when there are enough people then you know it makes sense that i'm keep on making films and when the people don't you know don't pay me you know i'm as a filmmaker, I will, I will die, you know, and then I'm not needed apparently. So that's the choice is, you know, it's all on the people. It's not, you know, a lot of people say, 
oh yeah that's that's um you wanted to make that film why did you wanted to make that film and i said i don't want to make a film it's it's the people who want to make this film and you know i'm not i'm not a i don't feel myself as a as a talented filmmaker but i i'm also i'm only a translator you know from a to b or something you know i'm a bridge and i'm trying to collect the voices from the unheard and try to translate that in a story and and try to you know connect people were with the same level of of you know worries and concerns so so i think yeah people can choose whether they support me or not or support another but i think this is a great system and this is a very very honest system as well yeah. because you know i'm coming from the the official narrative as well and you get subsidized you know you're you're getting 130,000 euro to make a documentary some somewhere you're getting in, big in, pharma money <laughs> yeah yeah basically yeah because yeah. it's all yeah. <laughs> um, and and you know you are making a film you want to make within the format you're working for and uh, and people don't ask for it you know you see a documentary of 130,000 euro of an old guy in Georgia in the mountains playing a piano. And that's great. A good story, but I don't ask for it. And these stories I'm making, people are really asking for it. Right. And when I, when I do something wrong, you know, I'm dying. You know it. And you, yeah, know, it you know right it. away. And, and you know. that's, that's a much more honest system. Um, we should, um, we should create, and this is the new world. And this is, um, this is continuing. Yeah. Well, that's how we survive here at Rebel News. We're completely crowdfunded, but I think it is for a long time. And for a long time, I think we're approaching our seventh year, but this is the democratization of journalism. And in your, in your instance, filmmaking, we're meeting a demand we know is that the people want. We know we're filling a void because the people are supporting us in our efforts to do it. We know we're not just, you know, creating something because it's our personal hobby horse that we think other people should care about. These are stories that aren't being told anywhere else. And the people are asking us to tell them. So, you know, uh, if, if the other side of the argument wanted us to go away, yeah. maybe they should start telling the other side of the story and there would never be a job for me. Yeah, it is. And, and that's what I told in the beginning. You know, when you're screeching the system, you're creating us. Yeah. You know, and screech more, then you get more people of us. <laughs> That's right. That's how you get more of me. Um, <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me today. I know yeah. you're very busy and we're on very different time zones. So I think we're headed into the evening for you. I appreciate yeah. it very much. And uh, oh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you for having me on, uh, Shaila. So this is the portion of the show where we normally take your viewer questions, your comments, and if you want to send an email directly to me to be read on air, the best way to do that is to send it to Sheila at rebelnews.com, put gun show letters in the subject line so I can easily search and find it. Today I'm taking a rumble comment on my interview with Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science last week, and if you didn't see that show, we were talking about how the World Economic Forum's backed policies are part and parcel of the climate scare that is crippling Canada's oil industry. 
and in particular, Alberta's oil industry, because really we are, we're the oil industry in this country. There are others, but not quite as big as us. Now, District 519 writes on Rumble that Canada needs to nationalize its oil so Canadians can prosper. We tried that. It was called the National Energy Program, and the Canadian government basically tried to take control of the Alberta oil industry because this is not really Canada's oil. It belongs to the citizens of Alberta, not everybody else. You get your share in transfer payments When Alberta does well, the rest of you will do well too. Let's keep going though. The so-called royalties Canadians receive are peanuts compared to the profits these private oil companies we allow to fleece our resources make. Those private oil companies create jobs. They pay for research and development. They are the ones that buy the leases for oil and gas that sometimes end up known as dusters. You buy the lease, it ends up non-productive. And the company eats that. Anyway, let's keep going. Privatization, good grief. Privatization costs more and we are paying for it. Is there anything that the government does better, more effectively, cheaper than the private sector? No, the oil industry would definitely be the same. And I've got some facts to uh, spit at you in a second here. Russia at approximately 90 cents or less a liter during war times, and we're paying over $2. Yikes. At the same time, Russia is prospering from their oil. Canada needs to take back our resources and nationalize our oil and stop being a lapdog to the USA and these corporations. Well, friends, hang on for a second here. This is not Canada's oil. This is the Alberta oil that belongs to Albertans, every single one of us. If you want to look at a recent uh, result of what nationalization of a very prosperous oil industry can do, friend, we need to look no further than Venezuela. We'll just read this article from Forbes here. Venezuela's oil production reached an all-time high in 1970 when the country produced 3.8 million barrels of oil per day. And then the regime got greedy. In 1971, Venezuela nationalized its natural gas industry and began taking steps to nationalize its oil industry. The oil industry was officially nationalized in 1976. Between 1970 and 1985, oil production in Venezuela experienced a decline of over 50%. They tried to backtrack on this program of nationalization. In 1997, it sought to attract foreign investment as a way to develop heavy oil. And Venezuela ultimately opened its oil industry up to foreign investment. But then, as governments and regimes and my pro-nationalization friend here tend to do, they got greedy again because they opened it up to foreign investment, but just a year later, they decided, nope, let's renationalize everything. And here we go again. By 1998, Venezuela's oil production had recovered thanks to private sector investment. But in 1999, Hugo Chavez began serving as president of Venezuela. During the Venezuelan general strike of 2002-2003, Chavez fired... 19,000 employees 
of the national oil company and replace them with employees loyal to the government. In 2007, oil prices were rising. I remember those good times well. Oh, the boom times. And the Chavez government sought more revenue as the investments made by the international oil companies began to pay off. Venezuela demanded changes to the agreements made by the international oil companies that would give the national oil company majority control of the project. So they encourage investment from outside companies and then they backdoor tried to expropriate them again after they made all the investments. ExxonMobil and ConocoPhillips refused and as a result, their assets were expropriated, stolen by the state. So there are two related causes that have resulted in the steep decline of Venezuela's oil production, despite the company's top rank in proven reserves. The first is brain drain, expertise flight. Look at this. The first is the removal of expertise required to develop the country's heavy oil. This started with firing the state oil companies in 2003 and continued with pushing international expertise out of the country in 2007. Every time we see a stark decline in oil production here in Canada, guess where our best and brightest go? They go to work overseas because you have to follow the money, you need to work, and Canada's best are much sought over around the world. The second, it says, the Chavez government failed to appreciate the level of capital expenditures required to continue developing the country's oil. This was in no small part due to inexperience among the Chavez loyalists who were now running the state oil company. When oil prices were high, Chavez funneled billions from the oil industry into the company's social programs, but he failed to invest adequately in this capital intensive industry. Following those 2007 expropriations, Venezuela's oil production went on a steep decline. In 2018, Venezuela's oil production fell to 1.5 million barrels per day, a decrease of more than 50% below 2006 levels. If that doesn't scare you into thinking that nationalization is wrong, let me just ask you this. Would you put Justin Trudeau in charge of a lemonade stand? I would not put him in charge of the oil industry. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Hopefully you learned something. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody in the office in Toronto and across the country who worked to put together the show for me. And uh, as I always say, every single week, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.